Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You have reached the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show, where it is our mission to present you with the news right from the front lines. Um, today, um, my name is Kristen Floor, and I'm one of the hosts of the show. Uh, we also have another host of the show, Eugene Fisher, who served 25 years of a life sentence um, for cannabis. And he's out free to host the show. Um, we also have Mindy Griffiths, who is the producer of the show. And we have Becca Nichols, who volunteers to help us with the show. Um, and we also have CCHI, who gives us the platform on their, on, their, on their blog talk network to be able to present the voices of the cannabis war to you guys. So um, this show is made up of volunteers. We do not get paid to bring you the news from the front lines. It's a service that we do to you so that we're all fully informed and fully aware of what is going on in this world in the cannabis war. Today we've got a very, very, very good show lined up. Um, First, we're going to hear from Pamela Raber. Um, Pamela Raber is the fiancé of Jimmy Romans, and Jimmy Romans is serving a life sentence for cannabis. So um, we're going to find out about their engagement. It's going to be awesome. And we're also going to find out about a little bit about Jimmy and what you can do to help to help Jimmy. And towards the end of that conversation, we are going to be joined with Jeff Eichen, who is shooting a documentary called Lifers. In fact, uh, Mindy and I spent quite a bit of time with Jeff this weekend down in Portland, Oregon. Um, and we'll talk to you and you'll hear, hear more about um, Mindy and my, my, my trip to Portland throughout the weekend or throughout the show. Um, but yeah, he, he spent time with us and he went on, uh, Paul Stanford's cannabis common sense TV show with us. And it was really cool because Jeff showed a film on, uh, Jeff Mazansky. He was the first photographer or first cameraman, uh, able to get behind the scenes and get back into that prison to tape Jeff while he was actually in prison. So, um, he's trying to do something similar with Joe, Jimmy. So we're going to talk to Jeff about his intentions, or he's going to talk to um, to Pamela a little bit, and they've been working together, so they're going to meet today on our show. And then we're also going to, um, right after that interview is over at about 9.30, we're going to go and we're going to hear from a guest by the name of Craig Cecil. Craig Cecil is serving a life sentence for cannabis, and he's been in on his 13th year. He's going to risk calling into our show so that we can get the news from behind the prison bars. Then after that, we're going to hear from George Monterano for Georgie's Corner. George is serving, he served 33 years for cannabis, and he just got freed not too long ago, and so he calls into our radio show, and he tells us what his freedom is is like, and he talks a little bit about being being in prison as well. So you don't want to miss that. At 10 o'clock, we're going to hear from Joy Gray. Joy is an Indian, or is a spiritual leader for the Okuva Native American Church. Um, You can call it ONAC for short, but she is a huge inspiration to us, and she's going to tell us what is going on um, regarding the church. You know, we've had her on a couple times because the U.S. Postal Service took her her package and it had cannabis in it. Um, That patient that was was going to receive the cannabis ended up passing away because the, the post office kept it and wasn't able to give it back. So We're going to talk about that a little bit, what else is going on with their church. And then after that, we're going to hear from Stephanie Landa. Um, We may or may not hear from her, and I'm not going to disclose the reasons why. I hope she does come on the show and talk talks about it. 
but we'll we'll see what's going on with her in Freedom Grow. And then uh, after that, we're going to hear from Tom Corby, who is from Northern California. He's going to give us the news of what's going on in Northern California, where the war is extremely bad. Um, up in Northern California, they have been they have been fighting a war for decades now. So like, it's going to be a good show. Join in, um, Eugene Fisher. Um, this is the host. Good morning, Eugene. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, listeners. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to be on the show, and most of all, Kristen, it's great to be a free man. I'm over in uh, I'm in Southern California right now in L.A. The weather weather is beautiful, and as you mentioned, the lifers and the long sentenced people uh, in prison for for marijuana it strikes a special chord with me um i, I was uh, sentenced to a life sentence in federal prison and uh it looked like i was never going to get out and by a miracle and hard work in the law library i was able to achieve freedom and um anytime i meet uh Long-term prisoners who've gotten out—it's—it's it's kind of we're like a band of brothers, Christian. Uh, we, we've experienced things together. Like Georgie Monterano is coming on. I can't tell you how close we are. And uh, my co-defendant Randy Lanier and I can go on. Billy Deacon just got out. Oh, I want to talk to him in the worst way. <laughs> These are guys I spent long times with. You know, uh, you, you think of think of your own life. You know. And you say, well, several years I did this or that, or even five years or or so. And we're guys who did five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. My buddy George even did thirty-three years of incarceration. That's inhumane. Yeah, that's what it is. It's inhumane. You know uh, the things that we inflict on each other in this in our society over over marijuana. Over marijuana, I was very happy, Christian, to learn that the NAACP for the first time has come out adamantly against the laws on uh, uh, marijuana prohibition, because you know uh, of of, uh, of the marijuana prisoners, a great portion of them are African Americans, and young yeah. African Americans continually get busted for minimum amounts of, of of marijuana, and it's the beginning of this long cradle of grave system. The question must be asked. The question that every American must ask is, why do we do it? Not why do we do the marijuana. We know why. Uh, people have a right to do that, but why do we incarcerate? And why do we incarcerate for these long periods of time? Why do we break up families and do what we do with 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 our uh, whole prison system? That's I don't the know. I don't know, Eugene. I I don't. I have been trying to figure that out. I don't get it either. You know, your I mean, father went to prison, and he they killed him in prison. And, I know, you know I, why, why, why? I gotta ask that question, Christian. I gotta ask why. Why does this happen? You, you know, know, I uh, think, I think it's so they can uphold their laws. I think it's so that they can make a statement saying, you know, we're we're gonna 
we're gonna um we're gonna abide by these laws and there's there's no other there's no other way other than death i don't know okay you you say to abide by these laws, but laws are supposedly made for the protection of society for, right for you know for safety reasons not to suppress something like like marijuana that there's no harm that there's no harm whatsoever. <laughs> They've made society. Uh, they've made society believe that it's harmful. So they've manipulated the world into believing that that cannabis is is bad and it's a it's it's a drug and they've scheduled it as a Schedule One drug. So now we have to go back, which it's working, and re redo everything that they've that they've that they've done, which it's working. But yet they're still not even giving just a little bit. Oh, Eugene, you know, we were as we're sitting here talking about everything that they're doing and why um, we've got Pamela Raber, our first guest just called in and this okay. Pamela Raber, we, maybe we could ask her why she thinks they're doing this too, but her fiance, Jimmy Romans, who has called into our show uh, from prison, he's in Terry hot prison with, with Craig Cecil. However, he's not with Craig. I believe he's in the prison uh, next door right across the street or something, but um Jimmy is serving life, just like you were, Eugene. And, you know, Pamela wants him home. He, she's safe, gotten engaged. And we're going to talk to Pamela about that, and we're going to talk to, to her about how we can help everybody else. And then um, we're going to be joined in with uh, Jeff Eichen towards the end of that interview and talk, talk a little bit about what he's trying to do for Jimmy. Good morning, yeah, Pamela. I... How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How morning. are you? Good morning. I'm good. I, I'm happy, and Eugene was happy. I I told him that a, one of our lifers got engaged, and he got so happy. He was like, "Oh, that's that's wonderful," because you know he he was in prison for 25 years, and um, Eugene always talks about how prisoners lose their families, but Jimmy's gaining family. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Jimmy is awesome. It'd be hard well, not to be there for You're awesome, too, to the fact of getting engaged to someone in prison. My heart goes out to both of you. Thank you. Give us a little, tell us a little bit about the romance. Uh, well, Jimmy and I first met in 2007, and we uh, very quickly became best friends but the situation just wasn't ideal for us because we both were in relationships with families. And then um, obviously as time went on, him and his wife got divorced and I left my relationship and I found out where Jimmy was. So I reached out to him and told him that I was just completely devastated and I couldn't believe that, you know, that this had happened and I couldn't imagine him being there. All oh, alone. so he had already went. He had already went to prison at this point. Yeah, yeah. He wow. Has been in prison for a couple years. When I reached out to him, so we just wow. rekindled, and Aww. it has definitely uh, moved very fast. <laughs> Aww, that's but, so beautiful. <laughs> thank so, you, Pamela. Uh, what is, give us an insight in what happens. Did they let you give you a ceremony? Did they let you have a actual marriage ceremony? No, we're not married yet. We're just engaged right now because we're we have faith that he's going to be home. So 
we're hoping that he gets home sooner than later. That way we can have a wedding at home with our friends and family. But uh, okay. it was, it was very how do you sweet. go about? Had... Sorry. How, how does? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you a question, but I'm waiting. Uh, go ahead. Keep telling us. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to say that it, it was very sweet the way he had it all planned out. Um, I was supposed to go there on Valentine's Day. And unfortunately, I came down with a really bad stomach flu, so I wasn't able to go until the next day. And the whole time, he was on the edge of his seat, stressing about the picture guy. And for some reason, the picture guy never came, but apparently Jimmy had arranged it with him that he was going to propose to me while we were getting our pictures taken so that it was all on photograph. But Mm. since since the guy never came... Uh, he went ahead and he proposed, and then um, I just kind of sat there in shock, like, is this really happening? Oh, my goodness. And I mean, we had talked about marriage, but I didn't know that, you know, I wasn't expecting a proposal. And then after I said, well, of course, he said, well, when you leave here, you have to go meet my mom and dad. They have your ring. And I said, my ring? And oh. how'd you do that? You're in prison. And he said, because I'm Jimmy Roman. <laughs> Yeah, it was very, very sweet. So I have an engagement ring, and it has both of our names on it. And on the inside, it says our love is written in the stars. So, yeah, he put a lot of thought into it. It It's very, very sweet. I'm pretty lucky. So can you guys get married behind prison wall, behind bars, or do you have to wait? Oh, he has to wait. He's going to come out. You guys are going to have that ceremony. Um, well, we can about get married. That. You can, but you want to wait? Yeah, we can get married, but we want to wait until he's home. Now, if he doesn't get to come home, you know, sometime soon, then we'll end up getting married while he's there. Okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, let's talk about why he's there and how are we going to get him home so that you guys can have your marriage. Well, um, what, what, let's let's talk, go ahead, go ahead, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just wondering, okay, he's, he's serving life, how did he get life? Honestly, I don't really know, uh, they (laughs) built a case completely on hearsay, uh, they had, they never, I mean, they had nothing to build a case on. They've never have no proof of him with anything, nothing. It was all a verbal case from his ex-wife and then two other people. So I don't understand how he got even a case or time, let alone life. Uh, I know that they was going to sentence him to like 40 years, and he said no. So he took it to trial, and then, of course, he lost, and then that's when they gave him life. But still to this day, he says that, you know, he doesn't stress about it. He's not in there sad and upset like most lifers because he's never felt like he's going to be there for life. He just has faith that he will get to come home. Well, you know, I have faith, too, because I saw that the Seattle Hemp Fest up here, they adopted George a couple years ago. In fact, I, I helped George get adopted by them. And they have done some amazing things for George. In fact, I was at a Seattle Hemp Fest party about a month ago where 
we were trying to get letters signed, and it it works, and it and it's beautiful. And I've watched them get tons and tons of letters signed throughout their parties, and I know they really want to help get set Jimmy free. And not only just them, but all of us around the whole nation want Jimmy free. And so I know he has a, some letters. I think you can find them on the Seattle Hemp Fest website to download and sign and send into um, the president to ask the president to grant him clemency. Yeah, I actually have been sending – I got a hold of one of those letters, and I've been sending it to all my friends and their friends. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've been sending letters to the president and I've had friends come up to me and say, Hey, I need 10 of those or Hey, give me 50 of those. I'm going to take them to my high school. And so I just uh, had 250 labels made for to send to president Obama that way, you know, it just makes the process a little bit easier so I can just stick the label on the envelope and send them in. And I was just sitting in church thinking, you know, I don't know if you've seen, but I had a free Jimmy Roman bracelets made I think I'm going to send one to President Obama. <laughs> what do you think cool. he'll think if he gets one of those bracelets? <laughs> I think you should also send one to the the pardons attorney because from what, what I understand, um, his application is sitting with the pardons attorney, and the pardons attorney makes the decision to recommend to Obama if he is going to be granted clemency or not. So we've been gathering letters also for some prisoners, and – uh, we've been working with someone by the name of Sherry Sicard, and she suggests that instead of sending the letter to the president, you send them to the pardons attorney and then CC it to the president so that they both get a, the all of the letters because his file will be passed on to the president with all those letters attached. Because when you send them directly to the president, he only gets to read a certain amount of letters. He don't get to read all of them. His staff picks out what they want him to read. So, um, okay, that's just a, that's just a thought regarding um, regarding the letters is to possibly maybe send duplicates or to the pardons attorney first. That way, he gets he, we make sure that they both see all of them. But um, yeah, right. I, I, I think Christian, uh, uh, in that regards, and Pamela, what you got to look at it this way: uh, the president of the United States gets hundreds of thousands of letters. It's impossible for him to read them. And he depends on who he's going to grant competency to. He depends on what the pardon attorney recommends. So that's key. That's crucial to get it, get it to the pardon attorney who will in turn make his recommendation. Well, well so, do you know by chance uh, – you know, on the seventh, it'll be six months that we've been waiting for the answer on the appeal. Do you know how long oh, it normally right. takes? But, uh, Pamela, I, I was involved for 25 years in litigation. I, I'm not a lawyer, but I became a lawyer, a jailhouse lawyer. There's no determinate uh, amount of time. I've had appeals go wait in in motion for like a couple of years sometimes before they answer. They're not supposed to do that, but that's what they do. Well, they answered my father, and my father went to prison, um, Pamela, and my dad, my dad actually died in prison, and they, they responded to his, his re- appeal pretty much within a week and a half and told him no. So I think, I guess, it, I don't know what it depends on. but it, It's just the back load and, and the complexity of the appeal and so on. 
I think here's a way to look at it. If if they answer you right away, the probability is they're, they're turning you down. So the longer right. you wait, sometimes it's 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 a sign that they're at least looking at it. You know. Uh, right. Yeah. That, that that's oh. part of life. But there's another side of of, of all of this. I want you to consider. Remember, uh, Pamela, I did 25 years, and I never. I was like like Jimmy. I never lost hope. My family was there, always supporting me. That's so important for a prisoner to have have family support them. It carries you through it. But what we can do is try to change the whole thing, like we're trying to do now. You know, uh, we got a project schedule we're, we're working on, and there's people coming in from all over on it. That would be to change the federal laws. And if that were to happen that would definitely affect everybody in prison over marijuana, such as Jimmy, to change yeah, the schedule. Absolutely. You know, in other words, if we deschedule, we're not talking about making it a Schedule two drug. We're trying to get the federal government to deschedule it, to take it off of the, the list of, uh, of drugs that someone can be prosecuted for. And uh, if that were to happen, that'd be a major, major step in in helping uh, so many guys and women who are yeah, who are serving time time right now uh, for so, uh, for drugs. So Pamela, I just wanted to mention to you that um, we have somebody by the name of uh, Jeff Eichen calling in. He's doing a documentary called Lifers. And he's been trying to get in, I guess, behind bars to interview Jimmy. Um, and he he wants to talk to you for a second, but he hasn't called in yet. But we, I just want to also let you know that Craig Cecil, he can call in any time between 925 and 930. And Craig is also serving a life sentence in prison, and he calls in every week. So when he calls in, this will end this interview pretty much right away and just go straight into his. So I just wanted to let you know in advance in case, in case it just suddenly ends, you, you know why. But um, okay. So, I just had a couple other questions. How? What is it like? To, what, what, tell me what it's like. Cause I'm just thinking like, he's in prison and he only gets 300 minutes a month, and I'm sure that must drive you nuts knowing that you can only talk to your fiance 15 minutes at a time, but no more than at least 300 minutes a month, and he has to share those minutes with his other family. Um, it is. Um, it's definitely very stressful. We've tried to set up, you know, like a schedule to budget the time so that he has so much time with me and his mom and his sister, but it never really seems to work out that way. There's always, you know, those emergencies where we need to talk and in the conversation and just take longer than it was supposed to, or my children want to get on the phone and talk to him. So it always seems that at the end of the month, we were at the point, like right now, I can only talk to him every couple of days. I don't get to talk to him every day. So sometimes right. it makes it, you know, it's really hard. But luckily we have core links, so we can email like crazy, which is really nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, um, we have Jeff Eichen. Um, he just called in. And while we wait for his call to get screened, could you just tell us real quickly how we can how we can get uh, find more about Jimmy at? Does he have a website? Oh, he's all over the internet. Um, he's got two different. I've been sharing a bunch of this stuff last night. 
Yeah, um, you can Google his name and find out about him. Uh, they had a change.org for him, but I don't think that that one uh, matters anymore because that was just for the appeal, and he already got granted the appeal. Um, and then, of, of course, you can write him, and I'm always going on change.org and signing any petition I can that has to do with the drug laws because I know every change helps. Oh, well, I've got a flyer, um, an image that I'm putting out just after this radio show with Jimmy's address. So anybody out there wants to write Jimmy a letter, look look for that image. We'll have it on the Voices of the Cannabis Wars Facebook page and on my Facebook page as well. So um, I'm got, we've got Jeff Eichen on the, on the phone right now who is shooting the documentary Lifers. In fact, I spent quite a bit of time, Mindy and I, with Jeff this weekend. But Jeff would like to specifically talk to you, Pamela. So I'm going to bring Jeff on. And for all of our listeners, please stay tuned. We're hoping to schedule an interview with Jeff coming up in the future. But um, for now, Jeff, this is Pamela. Pamela, this is Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Pamela. Hey, Pamela. How Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm driving home from Portland, and uh, we were just doing a great uh TV show and um, uh, in Portland, and it was fantastic. And we're dedicated to being the voice for those in inside. Well, thank you. It's definitely uh, great, greatly appreciated. He loves any help that he can get, and you know, the more people that are on their side and trying to get them out of there, that definitely helps instead of just letting them sit there wasting their lives away. Well, it's absurd and. Proper to um, to end prohibition completely, and um, and if I can raise the money through my film to give um, those that were in and are in restitution, I want to do that also. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's as you said, absurd that you know they they sit in there for a victimless crime where they're not harming anybody and you know most of them there's not even proof of anything it's you know like with jimmy it's all hearsay there's no real case and he's been in his life in prison but then yet you have the real criminals out here running around it's just insane do you remember who i am yeah i know who you are um i was looking at your page and stuff yesterday <laughs> right Right. Well, and he I've had been, told me I'm, that you were trying to uh, do a documentary, but they won't let you in there, which no, is crazy. I'm inches, away, I'm, in, I'm inches away from getting into Terre Haute. I'm inches away. They denied me access because of a technicality that I wasn't associated with the, the press, the United States API press or any newspaper. And I just got my letterhead from the local newspaper in the town I live in in Washington to authorize me and to say that I worked for them. So I've I forwarded that letter to the uh, to the warden that I'm in contact with, and um, I, his name is not here. It's in an email, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go full force and try to get into um, to get an interview with Jimmy. Well, that will be awesome. I know he really wants to do it. He's talked to me about it a couple times. So if there's anything I can do to help get you in there, please let me know. You guys realize right. that uh, Craig Cecil, who's about to call in any t- any second now, he is also in Terry Hot. That means we have two people. Two of our people are serving life sentences, and they're being they're being housed at the same prison. In fact, we have Eugene Fisher on the phone right now, who spent 25 years of a life sentence, and he got out. 
and he's the host of the show. Um, Jeff, I wanted to introduce you to him as well. But uh, he spent time in Terry Hot Prison. And according to Eugene, that's a, a miserable, nasty uh, prison for them to be in. Right. Yeah, that's, that's actually where I entered the prison system in Terra Hot, the old old prison there. It was non-air conditioned, uh, just a terrible place. It was like I thought I was in the in, a, in, a, in the belly of a submarine when I went in there. It's really bad. <laughs> It's well, I'm bad. doing the best I can to uh, to be one of the first journalists to get in there and to be the voice of these guys and to to raise the awareness so we can get the get the heck and get everybody out of hell. So this yeah, I, I I'm a as an ex prisoner, I can tell you, I've got so many of my friends who are still in prison over marijuana, and uh, it's it's a you know, the question that comes to mind is what Kristen and I started the show today saying, why? Why do yeah. we put people away like this from marijuana? You know, everyone I've ever known in a marijuana case, when they say, who are the victims? They say there are no victims. Well, if there's no victims, what's the crime? Well, the tagline for my movie, Lifers, is free the prisoners, free the plant. The plant is also a victim globally because we're not we're cutting trees down for paper for not you know, for paper and we don't get the medicine and we don't get it this way and that way. And the solution is to end prohibition. Absolutely. Absolutely uh, right across on. the board. I'm do I'm putting a call out for Willie Nelson, for Woody Harrelson for Snoop Dogg, for everybody who is high profile to come my way to join forces and to and then we can get so visible that Obama will hear it before he gets out of office and he'll focus on our marijuana our marijuana Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Obama's the the answer because he's going out of office real soon. But we gotta reach out to the politicians. The only politician now who's speaking speaking about changing the laws on marijuana is Sanders. Only one. Well, get the other. No matter get the if other Sanders gets elected about or not, we can still we can still use him, no matter if he gets elected or not, because he's got the state of mind. Yes, correct. We've got to get so we the have to stay focused. Uh, you know, we're trying to get a march on Washington, not just to see President Obama, but to see the congressmen and to focus the nation on it. And we're getting some momentum going, and we invite you to join us. Hey, you guys, we got we got Craig Cecil on calling right straight from from prison. Hey, we we've got a we've got a good show going on today. I just I just first want to thank um, Jeff and Pamela for coming on um, and talking about Jimmy. In fact, we're me and we're going to have a conversation with Craig right now about Jimmy. But um, I, Craig, I just want to let you know. Um, that, they, that that we were just talking about Jimmy Romans, who is in the same prison that you are in right now. Ah, uh, that's correct. He's actually across the street in uh, the uh, penitentiary facility. I'm in the medium facility. Right, we're right across the street from each other. We can see out the windows at each other. Uh, can you see close enough to see who he to recognize who he is? And, uh, no, no, we we can't see the inmates because uh, that prison has a big wall around it, so we can't see. We can see the wall and the towers, the guard towers. 
Eugene was just telling us. Craig, Craig we're trying to get uh, we're trying to get the guy who's doing the documentary on Jimmy to try to visit with you also to get you included. What do you think? Oh, I'd be you know ecstatic about that. Um, <laughs> you know what, uh, uh, you, um, Craig? We okay. So this weekend, I just want to let you know this weekend we did so much. We've got a lot of letters signed just for you too, and we went on a TV show and we talked about you and. Um, we had Jeff Eichen, who is shooting a documentary called Lifers. He was the first person to get into a prison to take George Monterano, or not George Monterano, but I'm sorry, Jeff Mazansky. And Jeff Mazansky is a free man now, and, and he was in a state prison. But anyway, we've got Jeff on the phone, and I just want him to maybe tell you what his efforts have been made so far and, to, and introduce you to him, because he's, he's really trying to help free the prisoners through his documentary. So I just want to introduce you to Jeff real quick. Jeff? Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Jeff. I actually know of you very well. I was at the federal prison at uh, Greenville, Illinois, for nearly five years. And I actually, about once a month, heard about you on the uh, St. Louis radio station. So I've actually known you or known of you for um, about seven or eight years now. (laughs) Well, Yes, yeah, um, you know, Jack Herrera was in my uh, Oh, Jeff, you're you breaking know. up. We can't hear you very well. Okay, hang on just a minute. Hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to remedy. Jack Herrera was on my, in my living room in 1995, and he was writing the revision to Emperors in my living room, and so I'm an elder in this fight and in this struggle to uh, end prohibition and not to have any absurd um, people in prison for marijuana, let alone any non-violent drug crime. So reform is close, and I was denied once to come into Sarahoe, but it was a technicality, so I want to let you know that I'm working on clearing that technicality, and so I got a letterhead from my local newspaper, and they said, Jeff, I can work for us on this beautiful local news uh, uh, letterhead, and I sent it to the parole board already there, and uh, so we're waiting to hear back to see if they'll let me come out. Fantastic, fantastic. And Jeff, Craig is in another prison there. Not He's not in the penitentiary. He's in medium, so you'd have to put another another application in. To that that's facility would be a different warden. Is that what Jimmy is? Yes, I'm in. The, the way these complexes are structured, each prison, the, the high custody penitentiary, the medium custody uh, FCI where I'm at in the camp, each have a separate warden. So the request has to be made to each separate warden. I mean, although they're all the BOP and they're all the same complex, they, you know, kind of re- you know, are separate from each other, both in management and, how you know, in we, proximity, I guess. How do we correspond so I can get his name, your warden, that I can get to you and individually go to them? Because it's no sweat off of my day to, to hit each warden. I have a, I have an email ready for them. Oh, nice, Jeff. Um, it's really hard to hear you, but if you if you heard Jeff, he said he has an email ready to go. Um, to for his next step in trying to get into the prison. But Jeff, I want I just wanted to introduce you to Craig. Craig is so inspired to know that there's people out there 
um, trying to help uh, free the lifers. So um, I'm gonna we're gonna go back to Craig and talk talk a little bit about what prison's been like for him this week. But I want to thank you, Jeff, for for coming on our show. Okay. Am am I? Uh, but thank you, Jeff. And uh, we can definitely send messages through both uh, Gene and Kristen uh, because I have email uh, correspondence uh, that I actively engage with both of them, and they could even send us to correspond directly. Cool, cool. So, Craig, how has been prison been this week for you? Well, we actually have some good news to, to trumpet from here, and I think it's uh, due to uh, many people, you and many people like you, is that tomorrow there's 11 appointments on the call-out, on the, the list of appointments, there's 11 call-outs for people to see the dentist. The dentist is up and operating as of tomorrow again. <laughs> wow. So the, the, one thing, the one thing that I have noticed, uh, according to this list of people that he has appointments with, is all the ones that I know that have filed actual uh, written grievances about the lack of dental care, all those people are on the list. <laughs> wow. Since he ha- since the dentist has threatened to hurt the one gentleman that wrote up the paperwork on him, I think they're all a bit apprehensive to see the dentist, but at least at least it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> the other piece of news, as you know, is uh, a bunch of people that we know were off to visit the president last week and, uh, yes. and uh, have a presentation at the White House and... Visit with a bunch of congressmen. Uh, well, uh, we were hurt when we found out you weren't on the list of the the 61 people that were going to get not got granted clemencies. None of our plant prisoners were on the list. We really wanted you to be there. There was one on the list. One plant uh, prisoner out of what? 61. Yes. Oh, okay. I believe that Ooh. person was marijuana and another drug, so there was no, you know, solely marijuana people, is from what I gather. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah, of our but we can only hope that there's going to be a bunch of marijuana people on one of these lists that we'll see in the future. And from what I'm told, of the people that were in D.C. last week and, uh, Especially the people that were at the White House on the 31st. Amy, Amy Pova and Beth Curtis. Yes. <laughs> our favorite, our among, favorite activists. Yes, they are absolutely our leading activists. And, uh, yes. From what I understand, that they weren't allowed to go quite as far as they would like because they got a taste of Washington politics. <laughs> Otherwise, from oh. what I understand, they got to meet and hear from the right people, and there's at least. At least now there's some promises that, you know, that there's going to be some sort of change, but nobody really spelled out, you know, this is exactly what we're going to do. This is, you know, uh, things we're going to, you know, send to the Congress. These are changes that the president's going to order by executive order. There was none of those direct promises, but there was general promises to make the the uh, pardon uh, process maybe a bit more streamlined or or at least so it's not falling so badly behind on applications. At the end of 20, or at the beginning, I guess, of 2015, there was 2,700 applications waiting uh, to be looked at. The beginning of this year, there's 9,100 applications waiting to be looked at. And from what I understand, that number's over 10,000 now. 
So oh they're trying to find a way to <laughs> to move that process, you know, to expedite that process a little bit. That's good news. But the the one thing that my, the takeaway that I got from the whole thing is there was no actual promises of this is our plan. And I'm kind of unhappy about that, that they weren't able to nail uh, the president's people down or any of the congressional people down to say, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is the executive order that the president's going to make. This is how we're going to restructure the pardon attorney's office. This is how we're going to, you know, possibly change the sentencing laws, you know, through the Congress or, you know, that they weren't able to secure any of those promises, but they did at least get a bunch of acknowledgement by a bunch of people that there needs to be change. Now we just have to, you know, put the the nuts and bolts to, you know, what that change is going to be, I think. Well, all I can say is that thoughts turn into action and it's coming along. I mean, you know, it really needs to happen like yesterday, but I don't know. I don't know when, when, when is the president going to do the next round of clemencies? When are you going to get free? That's, that's the question. That's true. But if you think <laughs> about it, if uh, there was anybody there at the White House that could better represent uh, the people serving life for pot, Beth is it. And Craig, you're missing it. I've been seeing Facebook pictures of Beth Curtis and Amy Pova holding signs. And, you know, they're, they're fighting for all kinds of people, too. The women, a lot of... Um, Amy, Amy, she um, advocates for others like women and the other part of the drug war. And I believe six of the prisoners that she advocates for, the marijuana prisoners that she advocates for, got released. So, you know, Amy is a, a proud Amy. Amy, I'm just looking at her in just awe because she's so beautiful. And her and Beth's pictures, they're both so beautiful. And they just look so happy. I've seen them standing in front of the White House holding your sign. A sign just for you, Craig, and for other prisoners, plant prisoners. They're getting everybody to hold the plant prisoner signs in front of the White House, and they're they're doing some really amazing things out there. Oh, uh, yes, they are. The and Amy is exactly like Jean in that lots of people leave prison making all kinds of promises that I'm going to reach back and help all of you still in prison and all that. And unfortunately, the vast majority of them leave prison never to be heard from again. But Jean and Amy both served their time in federal prison and both have, you know, made phenomenal efforts to help us. And it has helped. I mean, there's the proof of all those dental call-outs <laughs> on the list tomorrow. Cool. And I, I believe it would have been months and months before that occurred had it not been from, you know, the actions of so many to, you know, send emails or make phone calls or all that. that this call is from a federal prison to let the prison know that they weren't getting away with doing these things behind the walls here. Right. Um, Craig, yesterday we had we had Jeff Eichen down at the at the Pioneer Courthouse Square in Portland, Oregon, and we did a few little interviews with some of the people just walking down the street. And one of the one of the guys had taken as we asked him, you know, will you pick one of the prisoners? Because we had learned about all the different prisoners because we had different signs out there. And he picked your sign up and told us why he, he felt very compelled to, to hear your story. And so he held your sign in the interview and um, told us the, the reason why is because you shouldn't be in jail for a plant. And he really he really um, he really felt a lot of a lot of sympathy for your story. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for even putting my story out in front of him and the other people. That makes all the difference that people even know I'm here. Right, right. Because I really, I really feel for the first 12 years of my uh, prison term that other than a few immediate family members, really nobody knew that there was people like me in prison uh, for pot, especially serving life for pot, as Gene did and, you know, so many of us still are. I think for the first 20, 20 years of my sentence, the only people that were advocating were people like Ben and Nora Callahan. There wasn't a community of advocates. And that is the difference, Gene. That That is why there, there's so much hope for me that, like you say, you didn't see your first 20 years. Now more and more people... Uh, have seen that sign yesterday, and that's if if I'm going to see relief, that that's where it's going to come from for me and Jimmy and Michael and so many others, John. But Let's thank you for getting that get word Jeff. out there. Let's see if we can't get Jeff in there. You might talk to someone in your counselor or some people about the possibility of of him coming in. Um, actually, I have done that. Uh, a few months ago, I've, I've actually even spoke to the warden about it. Uh, Jeff will simply have to make the request through the warden. Uh, I can send messages through Kristen if she can reach him, and, you know, I can share some of that information. Okay, and I think please, I, too, please I, I, I can probably get you an email, and you can contact him directly. Yes, yes, that would be wonderful. Well, the phone's going to hang up, and I just want to thank everybody. Um like Jeff and Jean and Amy and, and Kristen, so many people reaching in here, and Mindy. All right. All right, listeners, that was Craig Cecil, who is serving his 13th year of a life sentence in prison, calling from prison to get his voice heard. So please share our show so that we can get Craig's voice heard. We have our very next guest on the line, Eugene, in for our listeners, I just want you to know this is George Monterano, who served 30, 33 years of a life sentence in prison. George Monterano is a best friend of Craig of, or of, 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 of Eugene Fisher, the, the host of the show here. Um, they were good friends in prison, and now they get together, and we hear what George is up to, and he, we get to hear the good, the good friendship between George and Eugene. So here... Um, is George Monterano. Hello. Hi, good morning, Gene. George. Hi, Christian. Hi. Uh, good morning, How are you? George. Always you nice to morning. be back on the show. Sorry about last week. I was <clears throat> down in the weather. Oh, are you, are you feel better? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, just was, uh, wasn't, wasn't pretty for about a day and a half. Anyway, I'm oh. back, uh, back, uh, back on top. On top of the world. Yay! Welcome back, George. We miss you. Yeah, but uh, I understand it's sort of like an open mic, and it's uh, you know yeah. where uh, you know it's uh, I like to inject something about uh, you know being in prison uh, all these years, and uh, you know it's an unnatural life. It's an unnatural life. Men, women are not uh, men are not to be uh, to live for for long periods until they die without uh, family uh, around them or without women around them and vice versa. 
women are not to be in prison a long, long time without their family, without the opposite sex. It's it's an unnatural life. And uh, I think we're the worst country that, that handled that. There is no, there's no connection. There's so many European countries that every, every 90 days they let you spend time with your loved one or your family to keep you human, keep you human. And I wrote a little poem I like to recite. Well, thank you. Please, recite it for us, George. Right, okay. World, oh world, my heart imprisoned as I. Long were the wants, long were the cries. Alas, alas, now free, I go forth, seeking all that can be. But, my heart hath strange, for it tis blind. Love, oh love, will it ever find. Now, the theme of that poem is that even though, and I'm not speaking for all prisoners, I'm just speaking for myself, you know, uh, 32 plus years, in the cage out of that 32 plus years, five years in solitary. And I lost so much, so much. Forget the material stuff. I lost so much love. My heart was broken so much time. And I'm just, a, I'm just, a, I'm just one raindrop of the, the many, many raindrops that this war on drugs, especially this, this uh, cannabis people that were just thrown away forever. Like we were, we were terrorists. And then they expect, at least I, and I'm sure this relates to others, and then they expect us to come out and be somewhat normal. I mean, yes, I go through my days and I go through my weeks and I go through my months that I haven't made it to six months yet since I've bested I can, but I'm not the same. I'm not the same person. I'm not the same person. I don't know how to commit. And um, and I tried. I actually tried to commit in relationships. But there's something, there's such a, there's such a chism, there's such a divide that uh, that long, long incarceration has done. And uh, so much so that uh, I'm going to be speaking about it. I'm going to be speaking about it. Incidentally, I'll be speaking at uh, April the 10th at the University of Pennsylvania TED Talk. And, uh, you know, this is what, and I, they want to know, you know, their, the gist of it. How did I make it? Well, I made it okay. But what about the aftermath? What about the aftermath? Gene? George, uh, I have an idea. Let me propose it to you uh, from Kristen and myself and Mindy. You read us, read us a poem every week. Can you give us those poems, and can't we see if we can publish them as poems that came out of the program on the Voices of the Cannabis War? Well, what I do is because <clears throat> use the program special, you know, I, write the, I wrote this baby 15 minutes before the show. Because I wanted to Aww. be so respect, I wanted to be so respectful, original. So uh, you guys, I, I 
you know, and some some of the half the time I stick them in my pocket, and I sign them and I give them to uh, I get I give them to a lot of uh, this this city's full of homeless and a lot of homeless women and I sign them and I give you know I wrap a couple bucks in and I give them to uh, the homeless. Oh, that is yes. so sweet, Lord. Your your yeah, heart, so, your kind heart, your kind heart yeah, touches so, me every time I hear your voice. Yeah, so you guys have it recorded, so you can go ahead. You have my permission to uh, this. It's quite a few since the show. You have my permission if you want to develop them. Christian, uh, what do you think? Let's t- let's put a book of poems together. Of, oh, of that poems that George gives on our show. It, what do you think? We could call it "Voices of the Cannabis War." Poems by George Monterano. I, yeah, I would be. The, like I, I would said, want the. I want the first copy. <laughs> well, like I said, this is sort of like an open mic day, and and believe it, believe it or not, you know, uh, I had the opportunity this month to go to New York to see producers. They want me to narrate and write about my uh, stories of my story, which I hope I, I get. Because I can use the, you know, the finance, financial security, etc. But uh, being a, being a spirit, once a free spirit, then a cage spirit, now a returning free spirit, uh, you know that that stuff means a lot because it'll help friends and family. But but like I said, now this poem I wrote today, I'll sign it, and I'll put a few bucks in it, and I'll go out this afternoon and I'll hand it to some homeless person, I try to look for the women because that's a, such a sad, sad way of life for a woman to be homeless. And I give it to them. And then the poem is, uh, I don't know if the poem will live on, but that little that little gesture, it actually makes me feel better than signing a multi-million dollar contract. So, George, yeah. uh, when you mention the homeless, let me give you a, a, a brief story. I since I've been out, I have never seen what I see today in Los Angeles. There are miles of homeless people pitching tents on the sidewalks. When I say miles, George, you've got to see it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I have heard about these, it. I have heard about it, yeah. You see these poor people pushing around carts, you know, shopping carts, with all their possessions in it, okay? Yes. You know, I look at that, George. I don't know what your reaction is. I look at that. I look at what we do in our incarceration, and I say, that's a, the other part of America. We better, why don't we do something about that and change that, reduce the number of prisoners, reduce the number of homeless? We're such a rich country. How can we do it? Well, uh, I, well, everyone, you know, waiting for the government to do it, and I'm not here bashing government. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm praying that this cannabis law has changed for the poor guys still languishing in there. But you know, if you wait for the government, you have to do things on your own. Like I, uh, I, or I, I uh, go to this uh, basically, you know, like a dollar store type of thing, and I buy these. Uh, these ponchos, real cheap, and they come little folded packs. And I go in there and I buy ten or twelve, and you know, and then I just stick two in my pocket. And as I travel, you just hand them out. Everyone has to the homeless. Everyone has to do their 
their own little thing because I, I don't know. My incarceration cost, I think we tried to estimate it one time. I think it was me and Eugene sitting there, I think, between investigation, indictment, uh, the long-running court course, the course of incarceration medical, we were up to maybe eight, nine million just for me. Now, times that, times tens of thousands. I mean, it didn't make sense to hold uh, me or you all those years nonviolent first offenders. With all that money, they could have turned so many, so many lives around, education-wise, uh, medical-wise. Uh, I mean, when them people all lost their homes, pay their mortgages. You know, you can go on and on and on. And, you know, the only thing we can do is do what we're doing now, become a voice, and, uh, you know, let let the world know. Gene? George, uh, uh, we opened the program today with a question. I raised a question. And I'm, I'm bringing it to you, my brother, to, to talk about it just briefly. Why? Why are we doing this? Why does society do this? Can you give me some thoughts? Well, without without going for a long period on it, what happened, my opinion, was uh, media, uh, uh, cable TV back in the late 70s, uh, early 80s. You know, you only, you only had three channels on TV. And then you went on to this cable, and it was multi-channels, and the majority was news. And they had to have news, and these politicians, these politicians keyed in on it with a bigger, a bigger platform for, for news. And then uh, they keyed in, oh, let's put the drug offenders away to get elected. You know, a lot of, you know, years ago, an old-timer, very great man, told me, uh, America is two things. Politics and media. And I think the media, uh, the politicians use the media with the drugs to put these drug dealers away. And that's when they started building these. You know, when I, when we started, when I started my incarceration, it was 23,000. When I left, it was 223,000. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, history repeats itself. We can go back in history and see where large masses were, Kept the slaves, incarcerated, France, England, etc. And it doesn't work. It's not working now. So I just hope the pendulum swings back a little fa- faster and releases all these cannabis guys. This doesn't make sense. Gene. George, uh, you know, when you say that, I'm talking about the number of prisoners. I was with you during this time, my brother, and I know what you're saying. And I wonder if America really knows this. It, we, you and I watched it grow from 20,000 to 200 and some odd thousand and to two and a half million. And prisons, remember, George, how they were jumping up, right. sprouting out all over the place. They'd, build, they'd go to these poor communities and build a prison, and there'd be all that contractor work, first of all. You know, people don't realize to build a medium medium security prison, uh, it, it costs anywhere from ten to to, to fifty million dollars. Oh, way more than that. I say, I say, per prison, per prison, a hundred million. But anyway, Christian, okay. uh, 
I like to study some for Christian on the on your website. Uh, I did this some years back on one of my sites, and it had a, it had a profound message. I actually took the United States uh, and a map of the United States, and I had all these uh, little uh, little. Uh, hello, hello. Hello, yeah, we're listening. So, yeah, so I had a call come in. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, George, you know, you think about all that money and effort being put in prisons. We could have used it for so many different things. How about educating our youth? How about well, helping like, people with, with drug like, problems? How like about said, helping the homeless? Yeah, yeah, but like I said, for the when you put it up on the on the Internet, about the show, uh, I suggest you put a map of the United States and you put a, some kind of logo where there's, there's a prison and the American people will, will say, they see the map with all the... Oh, and you show where all the prisons are at? Yeah, all the state, all the counties, all the state and the federal prisons. Uh, people will look that at that. I had idea. it on my website some years back. When you look at that, you'll say, where the heck am I living? Okay. When the That's people can idea. actually see, we actually see that every, where every part of majority part of this nation, where these prisons are at. That's a good I mean, idea. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Speak. The numbers speak, George. Two and a half million prisoners. We've got five percent of the world's population and twenty-five percent of its prisoners. The numbers speak. The numbers. Right. They're the cry right. of misery of people whose lives and whose families' lives are thrown away. The numbers speak. And uh, and like we spoke about the children on one show, a million and a half children were affected. A million and a half uh, during the drug war, and still and still and still being affected. I mean, that has that has, that doesn't happen when these third world countries go to war. That many children are affected, but we have affected them, and then it becomes a cycle. They grow up, and they're they're in prison. So, you know, like I said, all we can do, Christine and Jean, myself, and all the other friends out there, the advocacy world, is just keep speaking, keep speaking. I mean, they're listening. I'm I, I've been a, I've been a Philly a short time, and already I'm 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 I'm, I'm booked at a lot of prestigious places to talk. So we got them listening. I just hope that they get involved making changes. Because, right, you know, we well, can't even vote. Christine, we can't even vote. I know. That's what Eugene says. Yeah, I can't even, we can't even vote. So, but, uh, you know, we can speak. Yep, that's for sure. Well, um, George, I want to thank you for coming on to our show and being a voice of a of somebody who knows too much about the prison system. Way too much. Way too <laughs> much. It's hard, it's hard to forget. It's hard to forget. Georgie, okay. we're going to get Georgie's poems going, the poems that you read us every week. We're going to get try to get a book going, and if we can get it published... We'll put the money into 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 helping prisoners directly, you know. Yeah, whatever, whatever. On board, my oh. words, my words can help, especially to the children of the incarcerated. 
Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it for the children of incarcerated. What do you think? Yeah. Yes, I do have. I do have dot org. It's called the Creative Writing Foundation for Children, and uh, I try to assist. But whatever you guys uh, come up with, I'm on board. Thank you, Georgie. All right. All right. Have a good Sunday. My best day, family. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Listeners, that was George Maturano, my good friend and an exceptional man, a Christian, an exceptional person in all he does and is doing now that he's been released from prison. He did it in prison, and he continues to do it, an exceptional human being. But no, I'm I'm personally honored to be both of your guys' friends. I'm I feel like, you know, my dad died and I feel like he left me with some the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life through this cannabis war. So I mean for me it's more than the voices, it's about the relationships and everything that my dad has, has left to me because, you know, when they when he died, the house, the cars, the money, I didn't inherit anything really because they, they took it all. Family heirlooms but I inherited the spirit of everybody I've come came across since. So, like, I'm just honored to know you and George, and um, I'm, I'm very glad to be in the war with such beautiful people. It, it affects me every day. Christian, if you if if I got had been able to know your dad, I know we would have been very close friends. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel like I feel like you and my dad would be friends. That's why I feel like. Everybody who's met, like, Stacey's uncle and Jack Kerr, and I feel like everybody everybody that's, that's passed, I feel like I know them because they were friends with, they would be friends with somebody my dad would be friends with. So, like, it's, it's, I feel like it's his people that are here for me, and I just, I'm just glad to be here for him and for everybody. And just to know you, Eugene, that's just, you are so inspirational into my life as well. You are too, my um, dear. Thank you, thank you. Um, Christian, before before we get to our next guest, okay, let's go. Um, we do you want did you want to say something first? Well, I wanted to just say a personal thing that happened to me this week to give people insight to what happens to the kids of prisoners. My co-defendant uh, had a son, uh, uh, Randy Lanier is my co-defendant, and he had a son. Uh, he has a son, Glenn Lanier. I was with Glenn this week, Aww. and here's here's the story, Kristen. He was ten months old when his father went to prison. His father came out, and he's twenty nine years old now. So all those years he was without a father. Aww. All those years. That's too bad. That's the children of the drug war. That's what Stacy always talks about, and. Uh, yeah, I want that to sink in for our listeners. A 10-month-old child, and they rip his father away, and he doesn't see him for the next 25, 27 years. Christian, when my, when my 10-year-old would come to visit me, when they put me in prison, he would cling to my legs and wouldn't want to go out of the visiting room. It brings tears to my eyes just remembering those scenes. 
All right, Eugene. Well, let's bring on our next guest. Um, we're going to hear from Joy Graves, who is a spiritual leader for the Onac uh, Church. That's the Okova Native American Church. Um, you guys have heard Joy come on our show, and there the, the the church's attorney Matt Pappas come on the show in the past to talk about um, a few different things. Um, one is the fact that they were sending some medicine through the mail and the the post office intercepted it. And um, after that happened, um, after the post office intercepted, they wouldn't give it back. And there was a patient who needed it very desperately and she didn't get it. And she ended up passing away. Um, So we want to say right now, rest in peace, Elaine Sammons. Um, You are always going to be remembered through the voice of the cannabis war but um, we've got, uh, we're going to talk to Joy about what's been going on since. Um, she's been on a couple times, and we're just going to get the latest news as to how her church is facing prohibition at its worst. Good morning. Good morning, Joy. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Joy. Good morning. Joy, you're an inspiration for us all, and uh uh, I'm going to say this for uh, the, during the time I was incarcerated, uh, I, there were a lot of Native Americans I was incarcerated with because you know they're federal crimes when when it's concerning uh, a Native American on on his reservation on his on his area, and there's so many of them I met, and there was such an active community, and I would be in the sweat lodges, and you know there was a p- part of every prison I was in that was dedicated to Native Americans, and by the way. The meal we had, we had once a year, all groups had a special meal. One of my favorites was going to the Native American meals. They were great. Awesome. You get uh, fried bread, Indian tacos. <laughs> yeah. We had buffalo meat and everything, buffalo steaks and everything. It was great. Awesome. That bread that you make, that you fry, <laughs> it was just wonderful. So what's happening? Joy, tell us what's happening with with in your church. Well, well, the post office thing is still at the standstill. It has been assigned to a prosecutor in in Washington D.C. It's going to be heard in Portland, um, but I don't oh, have a schedule when. Cool. Yeah, so. I'm yeah, I'm hoping to hear from Matt. You know, hopefully next time I talk to you, I'll have a court date for you guys. But right now, I don't. Um, we've kind of had an urgent situation that popped us on, up on us about 19 days ago. Um, we had a military combat veteran who has PTSD. Um, his wife was full Chippewa, and they had six children. Um, the oldest one was 19. And uh, basically, he, him and his wife were both medical cannabis patients, him for his PTSD. Um, she has some spinal issue. Um, and so he was working for the Veterans Administration in uh, Colorado, where they were patients. And the VA transferred them to the state of Kansas, which is a red state. And even though they maintained the medical cards out of Colorado, obviously working with the VA and stuff too, he, they weren't able to access and use the medicine, um, the cannabis in, in uh, Kansas. So um, long story short of it is the, the VA gave him a bunch of narcotic pain medicines and the like, um, which he quickly got addicted to. 
And from there, of course, the prescription pills, you know, they only go so far, you build an intolerance. So he ended up ultimately hooked on heroin. Um, Now, when he realized that he had a problem, his wife and I talked, you know, his wife and him talked about it. And he got clean from the heroin and the pills. And they decided they were going to go ahead and move back to Colorado and, and start using the cannabis again. And so uh, they told his mother-in-law, who was the only local relative there in Kansas, and she asked if she could spend, you know, an afternoon with the five younger grandchildren. And so since they were packing and getting ready to go, you know, they said, sure. Well, Grandma, I guess, went into a panic. You know, a lot of people seem to think that, you know, because Colorado has medical cannabis, that means that, you know, everywhere you look, there's just fields and fields of cannabis everywhere. So (laughs) Grandma... So grandma takes the kids a couple counties over and takes them into the police department and tells them that the children have been abandoned. And so, yeah, so the police, you know, they they do a a, a start of an investigation, I guess, and they realize that the kids were not abandoned. So they confronted grandma said, why did you say that? Grandma says, well, because I didn't want, I don't want my grandkids to grow up on a marijuana farm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So long story short of it is they had took his kids 11 months ago. Um, They had to go through anger management. They had to go through parenting classes. They had to go through psychological evaluations. Um, You name it. You know, I'm I'm sure that a lot of the listeners are aware of all the various hoops they can come up with. Um, And so these guys did all of that, you know, and it got to the point where they were desperately grabbing for straws. And said, well, because he's a combat veteran and has PTSD, we bet that he was emotionally abusive to the children. And so they went down this road. And they're, I mean, they're, they're just digging frantically to find something to give them ground to keep these kids. And ultimately, they came back a few months ago and concluded their investigation, which said that they could not find any ground to keep these children from their parents. Despite that outcome, they have kept the children anyway. And what happened is, yeah, about 19 days ago, um, Richard Schwab and and his wife, or yeah, I think it's Richard Schwab, um, they got a call from the Kansas Protective Child Protective Services, and they were told that because their one of their younger sons was having an emotional a separation issue from the parents um, that he was burning some tissue paper. And because he did that, some Kleenex, they, they determined that obviously the boy is severely mentally ill. So they went ahead and put him into the state mental hospital and strapped him oh down. And began, yeah, yeah, and they began just pumping him full of all different types of psychiatric medications, antidepressants, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so this little boy, you could just, you know, envision in your mind the, the, the fear and the torture going on to him. Um, but that's not all. Protective Services also at that time decided to tell the swab that their youngest child, which is their only daughter, five years old, um, had been very violently sexually abused in every possible way that a little girl could be abused. And... That, of course, you can just imagine. I mean, these guys have six children. They, they wanted a daughter from the word go. They finally have one. 
she's, the kids are taken away because, well, mom and dad are going to move back to Colorado and, and resume being medical patients. So obviously it must be safer to keep those kids and to protect the services where boys getting pumped full of medication and little girls getting molested. So well, the father, the father got, of course, you know, having PTSD, being a combat veteran, being a hero, going out and risking his life to defend all of our freedoms, to have this happening to his children, he, of course, he goes into a breakdown. And so he started protesting down in Topeka, Kansas at the Capitol building, and he started a hunger strike. Well, six days into the hunger strike, um, he had to be rushed to the emergency room because of the, the medical consequences of, of a hunger strike. It's very serious. And so um, he didn't allow them to give him any treatment um, at the hospital, and he resumed his protest. On the 10th day after his protest, they told him that if he returned to the Capitol to resume his protest, then they would arrest him. So he calls Matt Pappas and says, I'm going on my way to go get arrested. So he goes down to the Capitol building. We had some media trail him. And he was there maybe two minutes before up come four uh, state troopers who said that he had a warrant that was over a year old uh, for some trespassing and some property damage, they're, they're allegating. And they arrested him. So... When we found out about this, we got a hold of one of ONAC's newest church branches, which is the ONAC of Indigenous Peoples, which is in uh, Sugar Island. And we got a hold of, of the CEO of that church, which is David Gaskin, and he is international uh, tribal chief for the Sugar Island, for the Chippewa tribe, for the Objiwa. Um And so because the wife was full-blood, um, of the tribe, the Shippewa tribe that his grandmother actually established here in the United States. Um, he made an appearance down there, and we had Sergio, which is Matt's assistant, right behind him on the plane. And so by the time that Matt actually got there, the state was already, Matt, Matt came armed. He, he filed an injunction against them in lawsuit. Um, and so as soon as he did that, they let him know um, they they realized the mistake that they've made, and they have agreed to allow the Chippewa tribe to come and claim those children from the state. So that's oh. like the best, wow. yeah, that's like the best news that we could possibly have gotten. Oh, and so that, wow. that was all of. Go ahead. So Mindy's Mindy's back here in the background, um, telling telling me how big of a case this is, and that Jennifer Wynn is involved. Cheryl Schumann, and of course, um, you mentioned Matt Pappas. For our listeners who may not know Matt Pappas, uh, Matt Pappas is one of our best cannabis attorneys that that I that I know of. Um, Matt Pappas is a hero. He comes on our radio show, so I'm I feel a lot of comfort in knowing that they have Matt on their side. Um, what about the other attention that the case has been getting? Um, well, there has been a lot of media. I think that it did go international a few days ago. We have not publicly, uh, you guys have got the breaking story on, on the news of the kids going to be returned uh, for safer well, hands. Oh, so, right. um, well, that, um, that story you told us is just, just heartbreaking to me. 
I couldn't. I it was just very hard to to grasp what you were saying. Right. Yeah, and that it kind of fits with what he was talking about. You know, just a few minutes before I came on was you know that there are a lot of children that are suffering because of you know these oppressors mm. wanting to declare war on Mother Nature and especially our plant. And, you know, these are the kind of things that happens. I mean, what was it, a year and a half ago, we had that two-year-old girl that was taken from her mom for being a medical patient. And while she was in foster care, she was shaken and beaten and strangled and, and killed. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, a yeah. lot of people don't realize that there are those victims, that the children are victims that are caught in the middle of this war on a plant, which is just insane. And it, it's very damaging. These kids are going to suffer for the rest of their lives because of what, what Kansas State has done to them. You know, and the fact that they would call and tell the family, this is what's happened to your children, but we're going to keep them anyway. It's just really, it, it's nerve-wracking, it's mind-blowing, and, and it's something I think that, you know, the listeners need to know and need to get spread out there because this is happening, you know, this, these are not the only children this is happening to. We have a lot of work to do before we get this liberated and get everybody safe and free. So... Joy, uh, one of my one of my questions for listeners and for everyone is in line with what you're saying is we we complain as a nation as people we complain about inhumane incarceration around the world about torture and so on and the stories you just were telling and the things that I know happen in our incarceration system. Why don't we look at ourselves and try to figure out that the criticism we give on other nations, we ought to turn in on ourselves. We ought to question ourselves. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you for giving us this news. I I mean, it's, it's so... It's so heartbreaking to hear the story that comes out with a happy ending like that. Um, what's next for the family? What, what are they? What are, are they still facing any any trouble? Well, the family went ahead and they did relocate to Colorado, so okay. I think that that's why it's right now. Um, the the tribe is in Michigan, so they're they're closer. Um, obviously, the family's there in Kansas, but I'm I'm talking about as far as the state. You know, the state, apparently the state doesn't want to have it reflected that they are allowing children to be moved to a cannabis state. So I think that's why they've elected to let the tribe come and get the kids, and then the tribe will make the decision, which most likely than not is going to be to return them to the parents, and then they'll be able to go to Colorado. Their oldest son is 19, and he is there um, getting, I think he's got a job now, and staying with the family, but they're all, they're all been suffering with all of this. And and I know the oldest son has been really taking it probably the worst being the oldest, you know, that, you know, as far as guilt and and stuff, but, um, you know, the good thing is though, is we've got it where it's going to be resolved. And so once the injunction was filed, um, as far as I know, um, the hunger strike has subsided. Um, and we're just waiting word now. Hopefully Monday or Tuesday we'll get word from Kansas um, for the green light for the tribe to go get them. So. Nice, nice. Nice. All right, well, Joy, is there, um, is there any um, – we have court. We don't know a court date, but it's going to be in Portland, so I'm hoping I can come down there for that. Um, is there yeah. anything else um, you want to tell us? 
Crockett, yeah. Crockett Scott Court in Utah on the 13th, right. I believe. I forgot about that story. That's where he got pulled no. over. And, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the uh, I think it, I think they scheduled him in into Vale, Oregon on 422 uh, for uh, hitting that telephone pole. <laughs> oh my goodness! Apparently, you can't have a medical emergency behind the wheel and not get ticketed for it in Oregon. So, um, oh my! So goodness. he's got that, and then and then our president has uh, I think it's a status check hearing on the 18th of this month down in Douglas County. So. Those are the only three uh, court dates that I know of. Pretty sure. Does, does Crockett know anybody in Utah, or any? Is there any type of, you know, groups that can come to his court date to kind of support him? No. On this hearing, they said that he can appear by this one on the phone, and it's likely because it's just a status check. Um, his court, he has a court-appointed attorney, which, of course, you know, none of us, you know, feel all that hot about that, but. He does seem like that he, he you know, he, he's admitted he doesn't understand religious defense, um, but he, he seems like he's willing to learn. And so, you know, that's kind of always the best thing we can hope for with a, with a public pretender is that, you know, they're willing to learn from a lawyer. So Matt's going to be overseeing all of the cases, of course. Um, and, and so... Uh, but yeah, yeah when it comes time, because we're gonna, we're gonna. I, I told uh, Crockett we're gonna assert the religious defense um, when he goes into court, so that'll that'll get it onto the record, and then not obviously not guilty, um, and then so you know we will have to start looking at coordinating some support type of thing. Uh, our mother church is in Spanish Fork, Utah. I'm not sure you know the distance between Summit and there, but we're hoping to get you know some of the mother church. You know, and, and church members locally, we do have a few ONACs in uh, Utah. So hopefully we can get some of them out there. It would be great to have the Canvas community backing him, too. You know, so yeah, put that out for him. Um, okay, well, let me know if you need help with any type of images or anything. I can always uh, make, like, an image, and maybe we can get, like, some Craigslist ads or something and, and post it in his in that neighborhood, in that, in that um, area, so people know that they can come and support it. So let me know if you need okay. help or anything. And then, Absolutely. Um, thank you. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Joy, for coming on to our show. It is so nice to have you and to hear your happy, spiritual, leading voice on a Sunday morning. It's very inspirational <laughs> always to hear, to hear you. <laughs> Dean, is there anything you want to say before we end our interview with Joy? No, I'm just, just happy that, we know you, and and uh, happy to hear about your work that you're doing, Joy. It's so important. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. You guys are my inspiration, so let's just keep kicking ass until we get it done. Okay. Thank you. We are. <laughs> Love you. Love you guys, too. You guys do well. Okay. All right. All right. Bye-bye. That's a heck of a woman, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Yes, like she, she's a, she's somebody to look up to for sure. You know, each one of oh. these little things, these victories, uh, you know, like the, about the kids she was just mentioning. Each one is is a is something a movement forward in in what we're trying to do. You know, oh, it's positive yeah. energy. Yep. Well, Eugene, we've got our next guest on the line. Um, this is Stephanie Landa. Um, she's a close friend to both of us and to Mindy as well. 
So not only is she a close friend to us, but she's a close friend to our prisoners. Um, as we know, Stephanie Landa is the founder of Freedom Grow. And Freedom Grow is one of the miracles that's happened in our drug war because Freedom Grow is a nonprofit, 501c3, that raises commissary money for prisoners. And Stephanie and, and, and uh, Freedom Grow, and Stephanie, they raised seven, she raised $7,000 for plant prisoners' commissary money um, over the last month or so. And so that means that 70 of our prisoners got $100 each. And not only is Stephanie a hero to all of us, she's also an ex-POW who served time in prison for our plant. And um, she's coming on the line right now to give us what's going on in her in her life. Um, so here is Stephanie Landa. Good morning, my love. Well, I'm. <laughs> I know. I'm not I know. I know. They took my kid to prison on Friday. And so, well, I haven't Friday at nine o'clock, and here it is on Sunday, and he still hasn't gotten to a phone. So I'm not doing we, well. We all we all feel for you, my dear. We 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 cry along with you. Anyone going to prison for marijuana, we 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 sob, friends, from the inside to the outside, and especially for you, we care so much about, my dear. It's torture. I mean, how could they have him for 48 hours already and they haven't even let him have a phone call? I mean, I just, like... I... You know, that's Before what they listen- do, Stephanie. That's what they do. We know it because we experienced it. That's part no, of the family. Yep. I'm just, like, coming from the mom's side of having your kid go to prison. It was, like, Before bad I- when I was in, but when they... Now when he's in, I'm just like I'm devastated. I don't even know what to say. I was like in the courtroom, they dragged him away, and I couldn't even leave the courtroom. I was crying so hard. It's just this is like has to be over. When is it going to be over? I just like you know they took my day. I want to Stephanie. I want to have breakfast with you in the next day or two. Okay, just to be there and. As your friend, are you here? Yeah, I'm in LA. I want to oh. see you. Okay, I, I feel yeah. for you, dear. I feel for me too, and I feel for all these families out there. That it doesn't matter if he's in for one day or ten days or four years or however long. Like every day, the family wakes up if they that, get to go. Stephanie, to I was with my co-defendant's son, the Randy Lanier's son, Glenn. He was ten months old when his father went to prison. When his father finally came out, he was separated from him for twenty-seven years. Just think about that. I wish people listening. I wish America overall would listen to something like that, breaking up a family like that. Um, you guys, for our listeners, I just want our listeners to know, you know, Stephanie Landa spent four years in prison, so she knows exactly what prison is like, and her son just recently got charged um, for cannabis, and so he just, re- he had to go to prison, um, that's why she, for, for cannabis on Friday, so, and Stephanie, you haven't heard from him, um, 
have you called the prison to ask, is he okay? Oh, God, I'm sure that when they finally get to put him somewhere, each guard is going to say, your mom called. Okay. Chris, oh, you, don't, you don't know where you don't know where a prisoner is. That's part of the problem. You don't know where they take him. They take him on what we call diesel therapy. They take him oh, in your I thought it was a state case. And they told me they said, "Well, don't worry until like seventy-two hours, and then call us." I'm like, I'm going to be a crazy person by seventy-two hours. It's forty-eight hours, and I'm already crazy. So, Stephanie, he he's in a federal prison? I thought he was going to no, state. No, no, no. He's in county jail. Okay, okay. okay listen to this. It takes it's the same, it's the same six, difference whether it's county jail, state jail, or federal prison. It's prison. Okay, it takes them four to six months to send him to a state prison. So he has to stay in the county jail for all that time. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Know. They're not. He's not going through diesel therapy. He's in a. He's in a. Diesel therapy, Christian, isn't only federal prison. It's anywhere. That's what they do. That's what the prison system does. So are they? I know, but I, yeah, I don't even think if they're not traveling him around. But, right. You know, the thing about diesel therapy, it doesn't even have to be in a car or truck. In That's the correct. county jail itself, they move That's you correct. from cell to cell to cell to cell for three days before they put you in a bed. You're sitting on a on a bench for three days. You just like they just move you from place to place. I mean, it's probably worse than diesel therapy. You know, it's like no sleep, no nothing. There's a if you get a place on the bench, you're lucky. Usually, you have to sit on the floor. Stephanie, can you tell our listeners your story? I think it's such a beautiful story, inspirational story. When you were sent away, how you and your partner Tom took care, you took turns taking care of your son. What did you say? Your story when when you were incarcerated and separated from your son, how your partner Tom was remain remained outside to take care of him, and then you were finally released and you could be go back and be his mother again. Right, they separated our time. They gave Tom time first, and then they gave me my time after he got out, so that somebody could be with Max. Of course, nobody's with Max right now. Oh. I have to hang up. I'm sorry. Well, Stephanie, let me say this. We're all with Max. You know what I'm saying? we got a movement, and we've got people who care, and we care for your son as well as every prisoner. You know I that. I want to say one thing. If it wasn't for snitches, no one would be in jail. No one in this community. They can't figure it out on their own. They have to have stitches, and that's why my kid's in jail. So, like, if you're in this community and you're snitched, get the fuck out. Yep. Well, sir, we can end prohibition right now if we don't tell each on each other. Like, nobody would be in jail for a plant if there was no snitches. The lowest, lowest creation... In my estimation, are the snitches because what they do is they put people away so they can save their asses. Excuse my language. So they can save themselves. They make up stories and put people away. That's what Stephanie's talking about. 
That's what Krishna's yeah. talking about. They're the worst yeah. worst part of, of humanity. And they're in our community. That's all just so they don't have to go to jail. They do they, they do that so they don't have to go to jail yeah. when they get a reduced sentence. And and, right. and that's not the worst part of it. Worst part of it, the system works on that. The system promotes that. That's no, what stains the, the system. Snitches. Did your yeah. son snitches go to jail, Stephanie? Excuse me? Did your son snitches go to jail too? No, my son went to jail because of David and Maria Pinella. No, they snitched on no, him. His, and did so his he snitches no, they didn't go to they didn't and, go to jail. Christian, no, they, didn't they didn't go, go to, jail. to jail. No, they, 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 it's a vindictive thing. They're just that they bad did. people. They're just bad people. Period. That's all oh. there is to it, you know. But the thing about snitches is that they they snitch for a million different reasons. There's like a billion reasons to become a snitch. Now my kid said to me, Mom, last time I was in jail, I just couldn't sleep any other time I was there. But if I was a snitch. I wouldn't be able to sleep any of the time I was out of jail. Like, that's out of the mouth of babes. So, there it is there. All these people that are snitches, they're getting it back. They're going to get their karma back. I have no doubt about it. But the families are dying. Like, like I'm just, like, devastated. I can't even make it out of the house. Oh, can we have breakfast tomorrow morning? I'll, I'll come over to your house tomorrow morning for a range of time. I don't know. Let me hear from him first so that maybe I won't be so crazy. Just call okay. me. Okay. I'll call you. Okay. Stephanie, tell us. Tell us uh, uh, let's go to something positive. I mean, uh, the thing with Max is so horrible. Let's Let's talk about the positive stuff you do. The, okay, the I'll good, call in next The week. good work you're doing. I, I really have to call in next week. You guys could just say whatever you want. Go okay, ahead. okay, Stephanie, we understand. Love you, we Stephanie. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Okay, we understand. I'll call. I'll call you later. Okay. All right, that was Stephanie Landa, whose son was just had to go to prison. I want. A couple I days want Chris, Christian. I want everyone. Everyone listening. I want everyone out there to hear that the the cries of anguish from a parent whose kid's going to jail. I want that that thought in in everyone's mind. Did they hear the anguish? Did they hear the crying of this of the mother? Hmm. That's part of part of everything that happens. I can't tell you how my mother suffered while I was in prison. That's part of the. Part of, part of what occurs. It can't. I imagine you can tell stories, Christian, about your suffering as your father was in prison. Yeah. Those, that's the other side of this equation. That's part of what happens. Oh, I just hate to hear it coming from Stephanie. She's so close to us, and she's already suffered enough from the drug war. You know, she shouldn't have to. She does so much good for all of our all of our prisoners, she shouldn't have to lose her son to prison for our planet. Let's, let's end this insanity. Let's end it so we stop this, so we stop the the anguish of a mother like Stephanie. Let's stop this yeah. insanity. Insanity. Sure. Christian, 
suspicion. We're incarcerating people for victimless crimes. Victimless I know. crimes. I, have prison, I know. I haven't I know. ever met Christian, I never met a, a marijuana prisoner who in his trial, when it came to the part, there's a, at the end of the trial, there's a thing they say, and the victims of the crime. And I've never met a prisoner yet who the court ever declared one victim. Okay? Yep. Not one victim. I, <laughs> I know. So we got a big, victimless crime. Let's think, let that sink in. Well, we got a victimless crime. You know what they said in, when they came to that part of my trial? They said, well, we have no, no specific victims. Society in general suffered. Well, if there's no victims, how does society suffer? I'd like to know that. Well, when my dad was dying, that's, that's the biggest thing he said is um, we need to – but what my dad kept reminding me is, Chris, I never hurt anybody. I never hurt anybody. And that's, that's when my dad held on to that because he, he believed in his heart that he shouldn't have been in prison dying and he never hurt anybody. But, you know, that's the question Chris, that we've been asking can, all of I our can, listeners can, is why. That's what we've been asking all shows, why. I can see, <laughs> I can see where we want to protect society from a murderer, okay? I can see where we want to protect society from people who beat up people or steal things from people. But for marijuana, for someone like your dad or all the marijuana prisoners I've known who don't hurt anybody, what are they in prison for? Why? Remember that's the question we started the show with? Why? Well... We've um, we've got our next guest on the uh, our, our next guest on the line is it's Tom Corby. Maybe Tom Corby will know why, but maybe not. I don't know. But for our listeners, Tom is another another drug warrior. He's another one of the very good people in our community, and we're proud that he's part of our program, and we're we're proud to know Tom. Tom, yes, we are because Tom is a chapter coordinator for the Human Solution. Uh, Tom does so much prison outreach and court support. Tom's been a defendant himself, facing time in prison. Him and his wife Donna is also listening on the line. Um, but they have been so inspired to help others that Tom gets out there, and he's probably one of the biggest court support people I know. So Tom's going to give us the Northern California news where the war is really, really bad. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Uh, top of the day, all. I always want to thank all the the folks on the front line to help finally end the failed drug war. Uh, This week, uh, again, we have Shelby Lucero, 34th preliminary hearing. And what's that say? What a waste of time and taxpayer money on disrupted lives and family. She's uh, coming up this Friday at at 9.30 a.m. on 729th Street in Sacramento, Superior Court. Uh, The parking is horrendous. Uh, You don't need quarters or a credit card, and you must get there early. Sometimes you have to park two, three blocks from the courthouse. The worst parking I've found in all the courts for all the county. Uh, Shelby... (coughs) Thank you for taking them on. Uh, I mentioned 
mentioned before how the judge even mentioned a couple years ago uh, kind of asked the DEA, why am I still hearing this case? Why are we? Uh, yesterday, uh, when we talk about our defendants and our POWs, uh, we have fundraisers. Uh, we do have fun. We usually have music. We have raffles. Uh, yesterday, we had a uh, fundraiser for Trevor Alcorn. Uh, when we talk about defendants like Trevor uh, and the Benos, and they had their kids, uh, it's twice the battle for them. Can you imagine going to jail and losing your kids? Uh, we must stop this madness. Uh, so, so shall we stop this uh, Again, this Friday at 9.30, we're going to try to be there for her again. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Allen's here today, too, also. And uh, he, as he goes, he's down in Sacramento. He's went for most of Shelby's uh, hearings. Uh, when we talk about also POWs, you all know that Dr. Allen spent 14 months in federal prison. I want to honor him for standing strong and taking him on. But the uh, federal medical board, uh, we went for court support. In fact, that was the most court support I've ever seen. We had 35 people there in that courtroom that day. Uh, they finally, uh, for one, I'll let Doc make clear this up for sure. Uh, they wanted to charge $50,000 to save his uh, doctor's license, to which uh, he. <laughs> Doc, I, I don't think he wants to do that. Uh, he's still taking the battle on. Uh, I want to let him share today uh, a little bit about his case, any way we can help our doctors. Uh, also, uh, we want to call for them. So here's Dr. Oh. David Allen. Oh, we love Dr. Allen. I saw you were listening, but it's even better that he's on. Hi, good morning, Dr. Allen. What a surprise. I wasn't planning on this, but thank you. Oh, you're trying to surprise <laughs> us. Thank you. What a nice surprise. We love you. Oh, thank you. Well, how are you? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm saying good morning, Dr. Allen. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for doing all the work you're doing. I really appreciate it. We appreciate you, Doctor. Tell us what's happening. Tell us, give us some ideas about what's happening in the drug war in your area of the, of the world. Well, the drug war targets um, everybody, but they're targeting physicians, and it's and and, and people don't even understand or uh, hear about how the drug war is targeting physicians. You know, uh, Todd Mikiura was targeted by the medical board, and he's considered like one of the fathers uh, of this medicine in California. And um, Dr. Molly Fry and myself have been attacked by the medical board. And the reason we're attacked is because we we really don't do a medical uh, procedure. What we do is we see patients. Our medical expertise allows us to evaluate patients for mortality, morbidity. We talk to them about cannabis, we tell them how to use it and uh, complications and things, and then we sign a paper that makes them legal to use cannabis uh, so they're not, you know, breaking laws. 
And they come to us not because they're wanting a prostate exam or something. They come they come to us because they they want to become legal. That's the sole reason they come to the doctors. And so really, we're not doing we're doing like a social service. We're we're not doing it's a legal service. And um, but the the medical board is used to suppress their science, and the reason they're suppressing the science is because cannabis. If you use cannabis for twenty years or more, if you smoke cannabis for twenty years or more, the incidence of of diabetes is sixty six percent less. There's a paper that proves this. And smoking is not the best way to use it, but but at least if you use it smoking, it decreases the incidence of diabetes which means it decreases the incidence of everything caused by diabetes by the same amount. So it's going to decrease amputations, blindness, and dialysis for kidney failure for for, uh, diabetes. So if it decreased dialysis uh, business by 66%, that's a major impact on money. And so the people that are currently getting money for the medical care that's that's being given they don't want the medical money to go somewhere else and cannabis is a nutraceutical if you eat it raw it doesn't get you high and it stops diabetes and other diseases stops many many diseases and there's reasons for that it's real complex and I'm not going to go into that but so there's a great monetary incentive to suppress this this science and um so they're tagging doctors because doctors allow patients to uh, to have access to the science. And just today, I was given this Butte County Sheriff's Office report, and they did this raid on a patient. I'm not going to mention the patient's name. And apparently, I had seen seven of the patients in this this grow. And this, wow. this document that I've been handed has my office phone number, and it says it says uh, it's got like seven patients named. It was seen, it was seen by, on what day by Doctor David Allen expiration date, and it tells what the expiration date is. And so this document Isn't that I've been handed is proof. Is proof that these people are going after doctors like me, and what they do is they accuse doctors of not doing a good faith exam. That's the, right. the technical word. There's no definition for that. There, there's no single definition for that. And so they can use that as a hammer to take away any doctor's license. And, and here's what happens. The doctor goes to an administrative court. Usually cannabis doctors don't have insurance, so they don't have a, a lawyer. They go there to administrative court. The administrative court is paid by the um, medical board, gives the, the administrative court like $1.2 million every quarter. So the, 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 the lawyers and the uh, judges that run the administrative court, their salary is paid for by the medical board. And so you go there and try to defend yourself, and they say, well, you didn't do – a good faith exam, and then take the guy's license, or they give him probation, uh, which is another way to take your license. And and so what they're doing is they're attacking doctors 
And if they take their license, it, nobody even hears about it. So, uh-huh. and if they do hear about it, they say, oh, well, he was a pot doctor. And so they assume, they assume that this pot doctor was doing something wrong by giving too many recommendations. And the truth is, if people were asking for recommendations for water, and you said, well, yes, I think you should use water, too, and you gave too many <laughs> recommendations for water, then, then that's, the, that's the illegality of their, that they're charging us with. It's ridiculous. So, um, Dr. So, Allen, I want to remind, remind our listeners that you used to perform heart surgery, so for them to just see you as a pot doctor is, is not... Um, it's not. It's not a. It's not justify who you are. So I just wanted to add that. But. Yeah, in court, I defended myself pro se, and I pr- provided paperwork that proved that I had a 1.4 percent operative mortality uh, for I forget what year it was in Mississippi, and that's taken on people dying on the table. So my expertise in evaluating human mortality morbidity is 1.4% proven. Yet some girl, probably with just a high school education uh, in, inspector for the medical board, claimed I didn't do a good thing to do. That's funny. <laughs> on a page, on a page, and here's another thing. Apparently Molly Fry and I were targeted by a patient came came in who had some mental difficulties and saw saw both Dr. Fry and I think it's the same person who saw me. And then apparently their brother who works in the department of uh what is it? No no uh, what's what, over the uh, medical board? Consumer Affairs, Department of Consumer Affairs. Who were a high up guy that's in the Department of Consumer Affairs, which is over the medical board. He complained, not the patient complained, but he complained that the doctor was giving his brother, a mentally ill patient, some cannabis and causing. And so when I found out that this same scenario happened, so in my case, that somebody from, I'm not going to mention names, but some high up guy from. Department of Human Resources um, testified uh, in my case, and his brother, who was was the patient, testified in my case, and I think it's the same people that testified against Molly Fry. I called Molly Fry's lawyer, I won't mention his name, and mentioned this, and I never heard back from him. I wanted him to find out if these two people were the same people which would prove a conspiracy. Right. It would prove a conspiracy of the medical board sending uh, uh, targeting doctors doing this work. Right. Well, I don't know why we're messing with our doctors anyway. If the doctor says so, I don't know. I don't understand how anybody can ever go against that. I mean, they're doctors' orders. You you are well respected. Mm-hmm. Doctor, especially especially in our community, um, Doctor Allen, you, you know we all look up to you and what you say, and we use you as a guide to to let us know what's going on. For them to do that to you and try to take your license away, call you pot doctor and 
maybe underestimate and undermine who you really are, who any doctor really is. You know, you, you have a powerful say in people's health care, and cannabis is a major part of people's health care. So, you know, for, they need to take that. I, I think they should be take that more seriously. Thank you so much. You know, another issue that they do is they, they use recording laws. Um, um, they break federal recording laws. Now, the federal recording law, and I learned about this in prison, uh, is 18 U.S.C. 2511. And it's a federal recording law on uh, eavesdropping and wiretapping. And what it says is <laughs> seven, it has seven requirements that officers, if they're going to wiretap you or, or, or um, tape you, then they, they have to get a warrant and it has seven criteria. And mostly it's for doing felonies. But since the medical board doesn't investigate felonies for the most part, they investigate misdemeanors committed by the doctor. They uh, they investigate misdemeanors by the uh, by doctors, and so they can't really get warrants for uh, recording surreptitious recordings. But what they do is they send patients, they, they send investigators in with rec- recorders, and they record not only the doctor but any patient office interactions while they're in the office. And, wow. And this tra- when they give you the transcript, uh, some of the comments by people in the office are deleted in the transcript, which shows that they know that they're doing the illegal stuff. And even right. though I presented in, in, in the court that, that they were breaking federal law, uh, the judge refused to hear that. Well, I bet judges listen to just what they want to listen to. Um, you know, I always make kind of a joke when I hear people talk about the feds and the pictures. And I, I've heard people say that the feds had boxes and boxes and boxes of pictures of what they were up to. And I always make jokes and say, say something like, you know, the the federal government is to cannabis uh, people, cultivators, and, and uh, cannabis, cannabis activists as um, the paparazzi is to famous people, you know, because they're kind of, you know, they just want to be in your life and, and write it all down and get and use it. But instead of putting it in magazines, they, they put it in, in court documents and send it off, send you off to prison afterwards. Like, it's just, it's crazy because they kind of try to try to ruin your, your, um, Reputation, kind of like the paparazzi does to the famous people in a way. Well, but um, they take wars. Careers are being lost, and it's unknown right. war. People don't even notice that. I mean, my life was ruined by the drug war. They took my family, my property, and my career. And your kids. Right. My family, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that led up to my dad's incarceration was them digging through the trash every year for over three years, you know, like. Wow, they they really go behind great lengths to put to put put us put cannabis people in prison. So um, we are getting ready. The show is getting ready to close, um, to, um, Dr. Allen, and we've got to do our closing. Closing, but I want to especially thank you for coming on. And maybe sometime in the next month or so, we can have you on as a scheduled regular guest, and we can talk in, into even more deep detail of everything you were just talking about today, too. But um, thank you so much. I want to I want to tell you how much we appreciate your expertise and we love you and thank you very much for coming on with Tom. Yes. Thank you so much. 
Thank All you right. both. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. All right. For our listeners, if you are disconnected, it's because I believe that the show is going to go into a few minutes worth of overtime. But before we end the show, uh, Mindy and I have had a huge weekend. It all started off with a TV show and, and Paul Stanford's Cannabis um, Common Sense to a um, taking it to the street in the downtown area of Portland. So I'm going to bring Mindy on so we could talk more more about it. Um, we were documented by Jeff Eichen and the Lifers, the Lifers Project, and it was just a really cool weekend. But we're going to hear Mindy's side of the weekend and talk about it. So, Mindy, what do you, what good morning, do you think guys. about listening? Good morning. Good morning. What do, you, what do you think about taking it to the streets? I thought it was actually really one of my – best experiences it was unique because usually we go go to like a a hemp fest or a hemp stock where you know that everybody believes in weed and yet we still get opposition there you know you still hear people say oh well you know they must have been doing other things or they must have been smuggling you know huge amounts like that matters it's still a plant I mean you don't hear anybody saying go to prison because you smuggled a huge amount of lettuce but (laughs) anyway so um um, so I, I was really nervous about it at first. I didn't know how the police were going to take us. I didn't know how security was going to take us. Um, I know you we were worried about like, security. You're like, I, you're probably going to kick us out yeah. or something. Like, well, we, we, we posted up right there at Pioneer Courthouse Square, which is considered Portland's, you know, living room. Um, a lot of things happen there, but a lot of other people post up there. And, you know, once I started paying attention, um, when they say Portland's living room, I guess they really mean it. And as long as we were following the rules, we were fine. So we put our, you know, the can-do posters out, and um, people came by, and not once did anybody who stopped. And the letters. People who stopped. Right, and the, the letters. letters. Uh, um, and, and we had great conversations, and I don't know how many times we heard, well, it's legal. Um, why, you know, why are these people in prison? And so we were able to have a lot of conversations about the difference between federal and state laws and, and, you know, bring up people like Luke Scarmazzo, who was a dispensary owner. And, you know, what difference was he compared to all the dispensaries? I mean, you can't throw a stick without hitting a dispensary here in Portland. I mean, it's, I, it's, I it's everywhere. And people were just completely flabbergasted to hear that people were serving life sentences and um, so we were able to get a lot of letters signed um, but more than that just getting these people's names and stories and the information and and the real personal conversations that we had was um, it was more meaningful to me than I realized it was going to be. Um, Mindy, my take on the whole weekend, uh, on the whole that whole taking it to the streets event, particularly, um, was getting right in the middle of the public, right where people really don't have no clue, right where people's hearts and souls are just true strangers, true strangers, and really just letting them know what's going on. None of them just agreed with anything we said. They all felt compassion. It was almost even more more heartfelt than going to an event and that's what I just I just I really enjoyed Portland period because they're so loving there and all of them loved our prisoners and you know we had Jeff Eichen there and some of the people wanted to be interviewed for his life documentary and it felt good to be able to get 
be able to be part of getting their voices heard and possibly put out there for the world to hear too, that nobody, that even just public people believe that nobody should go to jail for a plant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we gave them a chance to, you know, hear stories, do something if they wanted to either on video or, or on paper. And, um, I, I, people even were taking pictures, um, pictures of the letters, even, um, mm-hmm. lots of young people, lots of young people were really interested in it. Um, so it, it, it was really, well, we got, um, it was, we got lots of letters signed, um, not just there, but also throughout the whole weekend. We, went to, we were on Paul Stanford's cannabis, um, common sense show on Friday night. Um, Jeff Eichen joined us for that as well. And then that went good. We got, um, we got Paul Stanford signing our prisoners' letters right on his show. And so that was cool. And then we had um, – what else did we do? Oh, we went to the after party where we got a whole bunch more letters signed. Um, yeah, it was, a, what, it was a great weekend. We were, we were very um, – I felt very loved and to the prisoner, you know, for, for the prisoners. I mean – people really do care about them. And, you know, we were able to, oh, we solidified that we will be at the uh, marijuana march here, the Global Marijuana marijuana March. Say that one five times fast. Um, <laughs> here in Portland on May 7th. Um, so I'm really excited. I mean, I planned on being there anyway, but we're, we'll have a booth there. So I'm hoping to have a fresh batch of letters for people to sign, um, maybe some ones that they haven't signed already. So, um we're starting to uh, have gotten some of our our prisoners so many signatures that it's that we're recycling. So we need to <laughs> we need to get some fresh letters. There's lots more people getting um, going up for commutation. So. So yeah, Mindy, I hope to be down there for that event as well. I would just love I love any chance to get down to Portland. But um, you have any prisoner updates or anything you want to share with us? Uh, Paul Morgan, he is up. His uh, his the um, um, his commutation has been accepted. As far as he's not he's not commuted, but he has a hearing. He's on the docket, so um, that is happening in July. So that's one letter that we want to get. He's a state prisoner in Oklahoma, serving life, um, and I believe he's been down for 25 years. So it's time. And I, I, um, I've heard some. I'm really about excited to hear that Craig Cecil said that um, the dentists are finally, you know, doing their job there. That is incredibly exciting, and so that that was good news. Um, other than that, I have been knee deep and running around Portland for the last few days, so I haven't checked my core links. <laughs> All right, Mindy. Well, um, I want to help you free Paul Morgan. He, I, from what stories I've heard, he is just a really sweet prisoner who is really deserves to get freed. Um, some of the stories I hear about him are really cute and funny and inspirational. And he's one of those prisoners, I think, that um, still, I've, Mindy, you bragged about how he maintains a, a positive personality and He's just really deserving. So stay tuned for more information about freeing Paul Morgan, right? Because we're going to help Paul with trying to get some letters. Yes, we are. So, yes. And this is, it's kind of different because this is a state prisoner and not a federal prisoner. So we're stepping into new territory. So um, hopefully we will, we will um, 
live up to his to, to what he deserves and get help get him free. Absolutely. Oh, and you know, just on a personal level, I'd like to say, please, President Obama, would you please let some weed people out? I, <laughs> I I'm great, I'm grateful for all the nonviolent prisoners that he's let out, and he's doing a better job than the last four presidents, and yada 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 yada. But it's not enough. For sure. It's just not All right, enough. Well, Eugene, is there anything you want to say uh, before we close out? Or, Mindy, any last words you want to say? No, I, I, just, I just want to say this to both Mindy and you. I'm really proud to be your friend and uh-huh. to work with you. You're both great. And thank you thank for you. who you are. Back at well, you, guys. You. All right, you guys. Uh, Another good show is all I can say. <laughs> the personal testimony that comes in uh, overwhelms me sometimes. I mean, the the, the uh, sorrow of, of a mother seeing her son go off to prison for marijuana was presented today. The uh, children uh, who are affected by the war as Joy painted it and the efforts that she made to bring them back in. Uh, the, a, a physician like Dr. David Allen and what he's doing and the fact that he uh, is jeopardized in just his, his very life all over, over his stance on marijuana. These are, th- these are things that, that we can show people and, and make the show worthwhile. Uh, also, Christian, I want to... Um, mentioned that I'm speaking to a lady who has a tremendous audience of radio listeners. I'm going to meet with her on Tuesday to see if we can't hook up into her network also with our show. So maybe okay. uh, maybe we'll have some good news next week. Cool, and that. I got an offer. I got an offer from uh, uh, Time for Hip Network this weekend too about putting our show on their network. So. To everybody who wants to be, help us get our voices heard, like these other networks that's offered their, uh, to help, um, we appreciate all the help we can get. Like CCHI, who has given us this platform to do our show on their network. Um, CCHI 2016 is an initiative that's trying to free cannabis and its prisoners, so check into that and uh, sign their petition. Um, so we're going to go into closing now. So first and foremost, um, we're going to start, we just want to say thank you to all the volunteers, all the listeners, all of the, all of the voices of the Cannabis War, and all, the, all of our callers. Um, and just ask you to just know about jury nullification, because a lot of our prisoners would have been saved just knowing that the power that they have to say not guilty to a nonviolent law can save somebody from a lifetime sentence of cannabis and other nonviolent crimes. Um, I've, I just want to say I've, I've getting ready also to share a Post for Richard DeLisi, um, who served his, is serving his 28th year in a federal Florida state prison. So if you guys can share that, that would be perfect. He's called me while I was doing this show. And so just I just want to just bring his name up on this show because we don't want to forget about Richard DeLisi. Um, thank you, CCHI. Next, we're going to go into our rest in pieces. So first and foremost, it's Sunday, and it's time to remember our people who have passed away in this movement. So first, I want to say rest in peace to my father, Richard Floor who died shackled to a hospital bed where I personally had to take him off life support while he was still chained to a bed, Uh, not to mention all the pain and suffering and the neglect that the federal government put him through. I can go on all days, days and days, talk about what they did to him, but 
Um, we want my, I want my dad to rest in peace. Um, I also want Gary Shepard to mess, rest, rest in peace and Mary Jane Jones, who um, both shot down by our federal government 21 years ago, over 20 times because our plant is federally illegal. Uh, Gary died right away, and Mary Jane lived 20, over 20 years, and she just passed away just recently. I also want to say rest in peace to Jack Hare, who educated us about our plant. He taught us about the conspiracy and everything, everything the plant can offer us. So I urge you all to, to, to get the book at the Emperor Rare Snow Clothes and read it, and read it and pay attention to every single word. Rest in peace to Jack Hare. Also, rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who left us inspirational books. And Peter McWilliams died in prison. Um, and he was also a civil rights leader for other, other nonviolent um, civil rights movement type stuff. And Peter McWilliams, um, his book about death helped me through my father's death. I also want to say... Rest in peace to Bill Lamorte, who passed away on the 4th of July, Independence Day, while he was serving a life sentence for a plant. After 20 years, um, him and Eugene were really close friends, and Eugene said that he fell in the yard, he grabbed his chest, he died from a major heart attack while, while he was serving a life sentence. So um, Bill found love just before he passed away. We don't ever want to forget about him. Um, we always want to remember and say rest in peace to Bill Lamorte, and also to Larry Harvey, whose whole family was facing 60 years in prison, and he was so sick and had cancer in a wheelchair and went out to D.C. to fight for all of our rights. We also want to say rest in peace to D. Young for giving us Adam, and also to Curtis Cecil, who is Craig Cecil's son, and he died while his father was serving a life sentence, and Craig couldn't even get out to go to his son's funeral. We also want to say rest in peace to Spencer, Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde, who are two little children who are using the medicine to get their, to kill their cancer. Well, the children... The children um, couldn't get access to their medicine because their caregivers were raided and their cancer grew out of control and they passed away. We also want to say rest in peace to Bruno Fernando Funo Martinez, who was helping us educate about our plant and about the prisoners on a worldly le- level, and also to Elaine Sammons, who um, was in her medicine was interrupted by the post office and she passed away. Um, we believe it was to not having access to her medicine. We also want to quickly say rest in peace to Oscar, who is Eugene's and George's friends. They say Oscar, um, they were friends with Eugene and George while they were in prison, and he says that um, they say Oscar went to FCI in the sky. Um, and help us end prohibition, please, so that nobody else has to die in this war and that all of our people can come home to their families and we can have peace on earth. Um, we're going to play this song. It's called No More War by Kushite Siska. I hope you all enjoy it because I really love this song. Thank you and have a beautiful Sunday. Abortin' the youth to tell you the truth, man. I can't 
can't hack this I'm losing my patience like a damn malpractice 2012 and they still manifesting destiny With military industry complex style weaponry Depriving heads of righteous men while sipping on the Hennessy CIA means coke in America, apparently It's been a narco-plutocracy since the 70s Corporations profiteering, domineering everything Radio press, news in the media You better learn to discern from the bullshit that they're feeding you Like GMOs from Monsanto Ringing alarms at family farms so man can't grow Oh, <laughs> 